last time on Keelhauled. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. I got I enjoyed listening to someone summarize my uh, <laughs> my last couple <laughs> of years in the, in like a short paragraph. Where do we where do we want to talk? Do you want to start from the start, like the early days, the beginnings, as it like were? Like David or Copperfield. What, what I want to I want to start <laughs> from the beginning. You've made some pretty cool stuff in the last year. Uh, Twenty nine, turning thirty next year. Oh boy. Let me um, let me tell you right it, now. Just starting at your thirties, uh, everything is going to start aching and you're no, you're gonna realize just <laughs> how little energy i was, I was hoping i was hoping you were gonna say life starts getting really good i used to uh well i lived in australia all my life um in on well the island called tasmania i've done podcasting photography videography uh graphic design i've done website design i've done like yeah pretty much like if yeah. you if you can think of a section probably the only thing i could say with confidence that i haven't done is music moved into n64 then into gamecube which is the best console ever made you made a poltergust from luigi's mansion i, I kind of mentioned this to emma bridal the community manager or she basically chatted to me was like what are you doing i'm like oh so i'm like planning to move to the uk next year I saw the aaron lee sketched into this barrel and then i looked closer at the dagger and i could see the little gold coin that i'd just made months prior yeah. uh, for joe neat and i was like oh my god i stopped i went silent my heart started racing and i was like no way dude like i'm gonna make sure that i'm gonna make the book make the most of the time they've, they've given me so then that way i can i can grow and develop now my own skill set team at rare really appreciated that that allegiance ship like it was it kind of came in at a time where like the, there was fires happening everywhere like everyone was go 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 yeah. get this thing ready for um get this thing ready for the the anniversary update and now the rest of the story so um one one final topic that i did want to talk to you about uh is kind of touching on my episode of last week uh last week i i went over basically everything that i liked in in e3 and mm -hmm. you and i share a passion for nintendo and my man i'm i'm really i really want to talk to you about zelda breath of the wild 2 oh my god all right yep let's have it so i i basically already set my mind up on how i think everything that went down in that trailer was and and i'm curious to know like what your thoughts on that were uh because I, I don't think that i've i don't think i've said everything that i thought about it um and and i don't know if you sure. got to listen to the last episode so i kind of want to know like cold turkey kind of, or not cold turkey but kind of clean slate what your thoughts mm -hmm. on what went down in that in that minute and a half of of beauty for sure i think like initially i'll be honest like watching the 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 actual e3 press conference um when that trailer came up i and my actual first instinct was metroid i actually thought like oh is this metroid like mm. it kind of had a bit of a darker gloomier look and there was all these kind of symbols and things and i was kind of thinking more down the line of like maybe it's like a little bit of like metroid prime 4 uh gameplay mm -hmm. but then that quickly changed to being like oh no wait no it's zelda um i don't know man like i've watched that trailer several times now and i it doesn't like as far as the turn of events mm -hmm it doesn't make sense like it's it's jumbled up like essentially pieces are broken into yeah like the, the timeline doesn't make sense right like so we could be looking very much at pieces of like maybe 
two hours worth of game or three hours worth of game. Like it could just be like little snippets out of a whole bunch of series of uh, beats in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think specifically Zelda and, and Link li- going through the cave with the big behemoth mammoth looking uh, yak know, thing. an ox or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yak, like a, whatever it is. Whatever that thing um, is. Yeah, like I don't necessarily think that they're all connected in that same series mm-hmm. of events like obviously they're they're there but it could have taken like ages for them to get to that point mm-hmm. um some of the things that i took away from it was and i think most people did is that like well actually my initial thought was when i saw zelda i thought linkle i was like oh my god is that linkle oh, yeah. like it showed it, it showed the back of the head um there was like it had Link and then this other character looked like an adventurer. And I was just like, wait, are they doing it? Are they, are they putting Link and Linkle together? Like you can choose between or, or have like this partnership, but then it changed the camera and I was like, Oh no, wait now it's Zelda. A lot of those things happened to me. Like my mind was racing with like, Holy crap, Holy (laughs) crap. What is this thing? And uh, it was only as things were slowly uncovering in the trailer that I was like piecing more of it together. But that was kind of my initial reaction. Right. Mm -hmm. So Anyways, I saw, like, we see Zelda, and then I'm thinking, right, like, does she have more of a story presence? Is she playable? Yeah. Is is she, like, is it an optional thing? Can you go play as Zelda or play as Link? Is it a play Link and have a friend join in to do Zelda things? Um, or oh, are they going, like, if only. are they going, like, the buddy, the buddy cop type thing where it's, like, or, or the God of War um, th- mm, aspect, right? Yeah. Where you play you play as Link, but Zelda is there offering assistance via mechanics, right? Yeah. Like, how how is this playing out? Is she purely there for cutscene? Yeah. Is she is she there in game gameplay? So like, that was kind of very interesting to me. Um, and and I hope whatever it is that they do, because obviously, like, I do not the developers of this game. Yeah. Uh, they have a, a ginormous task in front of them um and they have big boots to fill right like the, oh, yeah. the game the the initial initial breath of the wild was just so like resoundingly well praised that whatever comes next it's it's going to be like tough to pull off that thing a second time right like you can't well I'd, like they they could get away with the with you know making weapons that don't break and i think a lot of people would 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 forgive any other little flaws that probably came to the game because i think that was like the the biggest gripe that most people had with that game was it's just they didn't like the fact that the weapons broke um but uh yeah, yeah. but and I, I i guess like in um in that respect right like in the respect of weapons break like although it was an annoyance it also did to me um i think it, it actually strengthened what that game was trying to achieve like yeah you, it, it forces you into a place of like making sure that you're being creative with how you tackle situations so rather than like having a weapon that's your go-to and that weapon stays with you for the duration of your game right like how many games do you play where you get a weapon you're happy with that weapon so you don't touch any other weapons after that and then that's it right like you kind of get stuck in that same yeah play style yeah you, you um, see that a lot where it's like this, this mechanic although it is it, it it can be a frustration, but it could also be like you get attached to a certain type of weapon and then it's gone and you can't have it again for a while. Yeah. Um, like those things aren't positive. So I can see why that would be like upsetting to people, but 
as far as like the mechanic as a whole, I think that was very clever by Nintendo to basically be like, the things are there, but they will break over time. So then you have to be resourceful. You have to find something that can help you further, right? It's it's um, one of those situations where Link has always had a set of items and those items have passed down from generation to generation in every game. Mm -hmm. There's always a hook shot. There's always a bomb. There's always a boomerang. You've always got the master sword and, sword and a shield. Those are staples of the franchise. And this game uh, had the cojones to try and actually break you of that mindset to to force you to think about what situation you're in what tools do you have in this in that situation and how to approach stuff that has never been challenged in a prior game it, it forced you to deal with the fact that you are in a totally hostile world outside of a small few places with a small subsect of tools and you have to macgyver your way through a lot of different challenges uh especially the closer and closer you get to the end boss and that was yeah. that was something that was that still one of the few things about that game that i i cherish uh just how much uh fun i had trying to constantly work out how the heck am i going to do this because i i don't know what the right or wrong way is to do it because there's just so many different avenues that you could take to get through something exactly man like that that's and that's what's so impressive about it right like that and i think that's why it was so well received is because like it was one of like in recent memory it's one of the first games that actually allows you to play like you know people people like games will often say like you get to play the way you want to play. You get to be the, you know, the thing you want to be, or, or um, they try and sell a, sell a aspect of the game that means that like the choices matter. Right. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that is often, and it's not to say that's the case for everything, but like, it's often just like speak. It's just words. Like that doesn't necessarily come down to that. Like some things can be quite hollow, quite shallow. So to have a game where you legitimately things are just like discovering things in that world is still delightful to this day. Like I, I jump in that game from time to time and be like, Holy crap. Like I still haven't seen like majority of this map and I still haven't like discovered everything there is to discover. So mm -hmm. like, it, I don't think I've ever had a game speak to me in this way in a very long time. So like that, yeah. Um, besides, you know, see if these and a few other titles that are in my kind of like, periphery like things that i'm playing currently at the moment um breath of the wild will probably go down as one of my favorite games of all time um 100 so yeah sequel wise though right yeah so kind of some kind of some hopes some hopes that i want out of that game um is like yeah i would like to see them kind of dive into zelda a little bit more um i want to yes. i want to she needs to be like more prevalent in the story she needs to have some kind of meaningful reason to be there um i think if she if she does become gameplay if she is a mechanic um to to, to kind of assist you along the way then 100 percent i'm down um yeah i think as well and i've seen this a little bit online and i, I don't know where i sit on this side of it so I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you say but like the 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 world of hyrule as it is in breath of the wild um is is amazing so people are discussing about the fact of like do we want the same map again like will that work a second time does the map need to change in in drastic ways mm. to make it unique 
Um, for me, honestly, like I would happily dive back into that world again and yeah, they could dress it differently in places. Um, say climate changes in, in spots or something, um, which that kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. Maybe it's as far as timelines concerned, I would like to see this as, um, and you kind of get hints of it, but I'd kind of like to see this as a prequel yeah. to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, like, I can see that. I think, I think that story makes sense, right? Because there's obviously no, on the mountains and stuff, you don't see any of the divine beasts, like the, the divine beasts and stuff. You don't see any of that. So like part of me wonders is like this, the telling of how Ganon came to power, like Calamity Ganon yeah. came about. Um which I'd be down for, right? Like it's basically, that's a story that is setting you up for failure. Yeah. So, cause you know, what's going to happen. Stuff goes bad, right? Things go bad. Yep. Uh, so they can tell it in a way, like you get kind of insights in the first game on what happened back in the day, but this would really kind of like allow for that to grow and for, and to kind of show the hardship that Link had to go through to then be essentially sent to bed mm-hmm. and then waking up thousand or like hundred years later or whatever it was to essentially take it on again so i think a prequel would be fun um doesn't necessarily have to be though but that would be interesting yeah um and i think as well like the mechanics and stuff the it it everything needs to be there that was in the first game i think they they shouldn't they should try and stick to their guns and not take anything out mm-hmm. um just try and build upon it and add more to it uh, because I don't think people are sick of that game yet. Like, I don't think the people are going to get annoyed by that. Um, yes, there'll be grievances for like breaking of weapons and whatnot. But I think like if people really think about it, like the game is better for it. Um, even if they maybe change slightly how that happens. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing as well, like dungeons, man, like the, the, the temples and stuff like that or like going into the shrines mm-hmm. was was fine but i think like it was a pretty common consensus that like it'd be nice to have like a fully fledged dungeon um something that has like multiple rooms multiple puzzles back and forth and all this sort of stuff yeah so i mean hopefully that is kind of what they're alluding to with this underground uh like cutscene. yeah but- so to to kind of touch on on starting off uh, from that I so I I don't want this to be a prequel um for okay. for very for very solid reasons um and actually some of the reasons that you actually brought up uh the reason I don't want this to be a prequel is because I don't want to feel like the 200 hours I spent in Hyrule is uh left un uh, is left at, at its at its stopping point at the end of the at the end of that game if you got the true ending to that game then you know what i'm talking about um mm-hmm. i the the reason i don't think we see any of the shrines or any of the the towers or the divine beasts is i think because we could we took care of the thing that that needed to be taken care of that required those things like we had to build up our power as the hero of uh of of hyrule and we needed those that help so those are put away for for the time being you know we don't necessarily need those tools because calamity ganon is gone i think everything happening in hyrule is perfectly fine for me i am totally fine revisiting that same world but 
I I wanted to start off a little time after the end of the first game. I want there to be a little growth, a little a little um, kind of rebuilding. You know, we, we have a small small area of that world that has has been untouched by the the corruption that happened after all of those guardians went and destroyed so many lives and so much of of the towns. I want to see some of the 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 beauty that was the temple of the time and the the villages to come back and kind of start off uh, anew. And I want to see a Hyrule that's populated with people, with with villages, with with uh, you know, think you know, f- families that aren't living in fear of this overwhelming power. And I want to see the relationship grow uh, between Link and Zelda after Link has has lost all of his memories and had to try and regain them. I want to see what that relationship's like in a world where Zelda has been waiting for him for a hundred years to save Hyrule and for him to have to go on this journey to, to discover who he was and what what he was to Zelda. I want to see a world where Zelda has has been in this situation like she's the the amount of ptsd that she has to have after dealing with calamity ganon and holding him back for a hundred years while the hero is is in lying dormant regaining strength that has to take a toll on someone and i want to see that character growth i want to see what that's like because she didn't seem to really have that kind of pain, that kind of uh, a, a feeling at the end of the game. And, and she seemed ready to go on an adventure. And I want to see, you know, how that affects her, how she tries to regain some of her life after losing so much of it and her family uh, after Calamity Ganon. And I think that that's an interesting tale. And I think what happens is, is that they find... They want to try and find how Ganon uh, was, how Calamity Ganon was released. And I think that them being in that cave, uh, potentially where the Yiga clan was out in Gerudo Desert, where that big hole is uh, that we that the boss fell in. I think that they venture down and find where the Seven Sages had locked up Ganon in the, um, in the, the Twilight Princess timeline. Uh, where where he was he was killed, but he was stabbed, and and Twilight's plus yep. the sages helped take um, take Ganondorf and seal him away, and I think that they realized that the that the 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 kind of power that's eeping from or like you know kind of dripping from him and spreading out, killing rats and stuff, uh, is is the the seal that was that was holding him in place, locking him in place, is is weakening. And that's why you kind of see the spell kind of spiraling, spiraling up, and it's kind of yep. un, it's kind of unweaving itself, um, you know, as it comes undone. And I think that Link tries to to do something to try and like either reinforce it or try and interact with it. And I think that's what causes the the seal to break for Ganondorf to come to life, for the temple to break apart. And as it's breaking apart, they realize that. Um, a lot is going on. Like the the whole of Hyrule Castle is rising up from the ground, and everywhere around the world is is dealing with these cataclysmic events. And as such, we find that Link tries to grab Zelda, and then Link loses his grip, and then the seals, the the Seven Sages seals, grab him to to keep them alive, so that they, they can now stop the Ganondorf that has been reincarnated. I want to see that Dude. game. You just took me there. 
you just took me there and that, you've sold me on that now that's that's the idea that's what i want i'm stealing everything you've just said <laughs> and that's now my that's now my new argument because like that that yeah that is like infinitely way more impressive like i think and, and as an interesting concept as you were talking i was imagining it like you took me to that place man that was a really good retelling nicely done thank you yeah that's um, i hope that's where they go with it because uh anything anything that is that that doesn't explore those characters the way they deserve to be explored would be a huge failing yep. on nintendo's part and i don't think that that's that company i think that that company knows what to do with those characters and i'm hoping that they have I'm hoping that they have the the gall to sit there and force you to to um, put yourself in 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 Zelda's shoes for a certain amount of time, uh, just to kind of give people that experience to think about like what what she had to go through. And <laughs> my my quick question to that though, right, would be um, does that does that story that you've just um, requested does that become more of a linear? turn of events like does that change the way because you know how the delivery of story in the first game was quite like after the fact it was a it was a like a looking back at time mm -hmm. um and it meant that you could take that story in in any way that you wanted right which is again part of the appeal of that game like you can go in any direction you can do anything in any order and it's like it, the story kind of unfolds around you yeah does that story that you've just told does that mean that the game is then ham-fisted into a more linear progression like you have to go through the story beats to get the certain things or does it work in a ps like a you know ptsd type thing where um where like it, it is backwards thinking again like it's memories so like essentially like could have happened ages ago but you're starting to uncover the things as it happened again or what, what would you say there um you remember you remember uh link to the past Yep. And love that game. you remember going through the uh, the dark world of that, right? And and, mm -hmm. and you had to get the seven sages. You had to unlock, save, save them basically. And, and you have multiple temples. Take that concept where you have seven sages, seven dungeons, and you spread those around the world. But you find them that they are, are kind of, uh, you can do them at your leisure. There's not really much gating to that. But certain items that you find along the way will definitely help kind of give you the opportunity to uh to, to to make it a little bit easier for yourself just like with the with the with the divine beasts if you knew the mechanic or you had a certain thing those those um beasts those calamity ganons tended to be a lot easier uh you know yeah and, for sure. and having having hyrule set up so that um zelda she is dealing with this stress uh, and link as well having to having all this all this um the weight of the world coming to an end placed upon him and he has complete amnesia like both of them have to kind of go in in uh and, and figure this out uh together and i think that having them traverse the world after this this uh calamity or after this you know giant shaking of the world that causes all these these um you, you know and you can have like you know parts of the world broken open and change to show that you know hyrule rising up from the ground has taken a toll on the on the actual uh, uh regions and visiting the different uh say or the different areas and coming to find out like you know these villages that have been built up over the last couple of years after the after killing calamity ganon are now calling to the sages uh of their tribe 
per se, we'll call them, we'll call their tribes and say like, we need your help, we need your protection. And you as Link and Zelda uh, have to go and unlock the sage's power to, to not only help protect the villages that, you know, worship those sages, but also to um, help kind of make sure that uh, you're stopping uh, Ganondorf. And, and the idea that I had with uh, Ganondorf is that his whole goal, uh, once he's come once he's he's freed from that that arm that hand that is shackling him right now he is mm -hmm. slowly working his way to the shrine of resurrection to be fully reincarnated and your goal yep. is to is to go out and to actually uh awaken the seven sages once again and stop him before he reaches the shrine of resurrection and his goal is literally a slow march uh, and I'm kind of stealing this from the Lich King because the Lich King took um, Kel'Thuzad's body to the Sunwell uh, in Kel'Danas in, in World of Warcraft. And if none of that made sense to anyone, I apologize, but I am super heavy in the Warcraft <laughs> lore. Um, but he had a march of the plague that that scoured a giant scar of undeath from uh, Lordaeron, his his castle, all the way north to the top of the, con the continent where he uh, re uh, reincarnated. Uh, Kel'Thuzad is a lich and I want Ganondorf to have that kind of a march that kind of a of a, a, a constant threat that this 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 man this powerful man is using his power to slowly work his way towards the shrine of resurrection and that kind of that gives you the the sages from the dark world as far as length of the past that gives you the Majora's Mask time scenario where you're constantly having to think like okay i need to make sure that um you know by the time i get the seven sages and, and i'm not talking like a strict time mechanic because i know a lot of people don't like being under the gun for that kind of thing but just knowing that it's yeah. a constant presence kind of like uh high kind of like breath of the wild was always like you need to go save uh calamity ganon but we're not going to bug you if you're going out hunting for koroks for for a few days um kind yeah, of kind sure. of a thing but I, that's kind of where i want uh this to go I, I want to have link and zelda support each other uh dealing with the trauma that they just that they just had to deal with and and just come to terms with and then now that they have to they have to kind of be thrown into this this thing again i want them to have to go around to the different tribes and that's how you can kind of explore some of the other um some of the other people in in the zelda franchise that didn't get a chance to shine in breath of the wild and, and really give them some time yeah man that that's yeah i agree that that's awesome good good uh good synopsis <laughs> you should uh, you should apply you should go work for that game and make sure it gets steered in that direction dude <laughs> God, that, that would be a nice thing um, that'd be that'd be a dream right that'd be, yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty amazing sure. um but yeah so that uh um i i i also wanted to ask because it's it's one of those games that I just absolutely loved. I loved Luigi's Mansion. Are you excited for Luigi's oh, Mansion 3? I was hoping you were going to say the words. I was hoping <laughs> you were going to be like, let's talk about Luigi's Mansion. I know we're probably heavily over time here but man let's talk let's talk that out you know i'm, I'm thinking at this um, point i might just break this up into a couple episodes i might i might take yeah, half half of this and i'll i'll put it in one episode and then next week people will have to wait for for the the last half of of, of our chat so let's get into it awesome luigi's mansion three yeah, man. so uh uh luigi's mansion so he's back uh yeah man like and it feels like they've they've done luigi justice here like not to not to kind of crap on dark moon um which was a good game in 
what it achieved. Like yeah. it, again, like I said before, Nintendo, like no games can kind of do wrong for me. Like every game has something you can take away from. Yep. Um, but Dark Moon was not Luigi's Mansion in my eyes. It was not the thing that I was hoping it would be um, because of obviously my strong love for the first game in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, like it's a game that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. And it was something that I was like going into E3. I was like, okay, they have to say something about like Luigi's Mansion. We need to know more about this game. Yes. And they did not, uh, they did not disappoint like with the Treehouse play and the trailer itself like the, the although to be fair the the trailer was a bit kind of like cringe with the the voiceover and whatnot but <laughs> like <laughs> looking past that yeah. um man that that world looks looks expressive um playful uh, it 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 looks it's it is quite um it's a visually pleasing thing to be looking at, right? Like it, it, it's doing a lot of things, subtle things that you wouldn't expect. Like there is so much pure emotion in Luigi's face. Yeah. Like they have, they have spent a lot of time to give Luigi like a sense of place. Like he, like he's legitimately like experiencing emotions, right? Yeah. Like you, you've, in games we we see things like, and it's weird to say that, right? Like it's weird to say that, a like a Nintendo title, like a cartoony Mario game, is showing off like a wide range of emotions, right? Like you see that in like role playing games, and you see that in like realistic games, right? Mm-hmm. But it, for for this, it's like you can see his face turn from being like pure bliss and joy to like terrified, yeah, <laughs> to. In some in some spaces, like not necessarily anger, but like stern, like he, he's kind he's, he's kind of like ready type thing, like he's preparing himself for things. But then he goes back to the cowardice. So like, yeah, man, his face was just like I couldn't stop looking at Luigi's face, and I don't know why. It was just like it's it's interesting. Everything in the gameplay was showing that, like showing showing his like and his body his body um uh was was telling a lot of things as well right like the the way the animations play out um was just oh, so good yeah beautiful game yeah they they do uh, and, and it's you know when you talk about that it makes me realize that luigi really does have the he's really afforded the opportunity to be expressive like when i think of mario i really do feel like he is captain america he is superman to nintendo like he has to be that front facing always positive never never uh tarnished character and luigi gives them the opportunity to really show like a full range of emotions and and it's and it's so apparent in this game and i and i love the tone of this game because it's it's supposed to scare you but it's it's not supposed to scare you it's supposed to take you on yeah. something that feels like a, a kind of like a haunted mansion uh experience you know you're going into this world knowing that it's going to be full of ghosts and they're gonna you know they're gonna try and scare you but you're never you're never too far from being able to um 
to 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 like step out and and kind of accept like this isn't going to be you know resident evil 7 scare you till you till you can't play it anymore this is always going to be like these ghosts are just having fun with luigi like there there's never a feeling of malice with them correct it's like it's kind of like the player is never taken to a place of fear like they're, they're never taken to this place where it's like I don't want like I'm scared or I'm anxious of what's happening next. Like obviously to us, the game will play and it will it will be a funny kind of enjoy like a, a joyous thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, but we're playing a character that is like obviously not comfortable in where they are. <laughs> so it's it's I don't know, man. Like it's it's super cool. But like on top of that, it looks like this mansion thing's gonna or like the hotel. Sorry, the hotel, um, Luigi's Hotel Three. Uh, it is going to be like very diverse. It's going to have a lot of different stage dressings. Yeah. It's going to be like, and everything's beautiful, man. Like I just can't get over how good they made that game look. Like, yeah, like field of view. Like they've got like blooms and kind of blurs and and, and like sparks and graphic like you know emitters and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, man, that they've put a lot of effort into this game. Like there's there into crazy to me there's a stark difference between what they showed 2018 and what they showed 2019. 2018 mm-hmm. it, it did not look like this was a switch power uh version of the game and and it wasn't i I, and i'm straining to remember this um cj super pack who's from the player one podcast mentioned on his last episode that that he found out from someone else uh i think it was an article or something that this was a game that was intended for the wii u that they just sat on for a while and after after seeing after seeing what they're what they came out with at the treehouse and and watching them play through it and seeing just what they've done with that game i i now really see like what a game um could look like on on switch like it feels like mario odyssey level of a game and i'm i'm super happy that they did that because i don't I, I don't think I would have been as happy if this was just like a port from the Wii U. I'm I'm glad that they that they put some effort and some time yeah. into making this. Look yeah, it looks really like good. they've definitely like invested that yeah that time to kind of evolve it further from initial concept. And I think the Guiji thing like makes a lot of sense, and it it kind of presents a lot of uh, puzzle potential. Yeah. Um. I hope that like when when you watch the treehouse footage, it gives you some very basic things and they kind of they they will say like, oh, we're not gonna spoil this particular sequence of events. We're not gonna talk about like we're not gonna go into these puzzles too deeply, which is good. Um, but I do hope that the the puzzle types and the variation does it it, it kind of doesn't stagnate, like it doesn't get to a point where it's thing. like, okay, yeah, just like drop out of Luigi go into Guiji, go over through some spikes, press the button, go back to Luigi. And it's like essentially that, but in different scenarios, like I don't want it to be the same, same. Like yeah. I hope that that, I hope that mechanic affords them a lot of potential for like variation, puzzle variation. And it should be like, yeah, let's say for example, the the movie set that they showed in Treehouse, like that, particular area is all about teleportation back and forth like playing through the lens of cameras that sort of thing so that's the puzzling and then when you go to the next area it doesn't have any of that right it like cuts that out and goes to the next thing yeah um it'd be it'd be really cool to 
to kind of see see that mechanic um really really hold true throughout the game like you never get bored of one thing right like as soon as you get start getting used to something they take it away from you and they give you the next thing right like that's yeah and i i think but uh, yeah but i guess like for mechanics like if there's a particular mechanic that is like too good to let go obviously let that go all the way through right like there has to be something that you can continue to to build so well, i think yeah. i think they did a good job building on the basis of like what are the core uh abilities that luigi and guigi are going to have you're going to be able to shoot plungers and pull them to, to move objects you're going to be able to, to do the little burst that kind of blows things uh away or, or gives him some some ability to jump and they they showed like being able to slam ghosts so I, I think they gave yeah, me do the Hulk do the Hulk smash thing where you kind of grab a ghost and start slamming them God, back and that's forth. That's so funny. Oh. It's so funny. <laughs> I love that. That's the first thing I thought of when they started throwing it around. I just like <laughs> yeah. it straight to the point where uh, Hulk grabs hold of Loki and starts like slamming, slamming him back, back and, and forth. forth. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's too funny. Yeah, it, yeah, man. I'm I'm really excited to see where they go. And I want to see I want to see my boy Egad. Like I want, uh, yeah. like a, yeah. I love that character so much. So I, <laughs> I can't wait to see him again, and hope that he has heaps of new toys for us to to muck around with. He's, I, um, I swear, he's like a, uh, uh, I can't think of what the word is, um, but he, it's it's so funny. Like I feel like he gets true enjoyment of sending Luigi out to go do stuff. Like yeah, he, he's really not considerate, is he? Like no. he's, he's kind of just like whatever, like go out there and do the thing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like. Egad's great and like it's cool that it's interesting to see the whole like the characters with the X's through them like oh yeah we've caught them or Mm -hmm. like they're no longer available like I'd be interested to see what that means as far as story yeah um like obviously I'm not I'm not necessarily looking for big story in this like I don't need that I don't think um like the first Luigi's Mansion it had the premise and it didn't really it like it, it kind of stayed true to that all the way through like it didn't have to go through like a wide range of different story arcs like it it, it just needs to be what it is mm-hmm. like stay stay true to that idea um so i'm not looking for story here i'm looking purely like enjoyment and visual and also like the puzzling like yeah that's that's where whatever, what i'm looking forward to most sounds like the um kind of portrait ghost things are back yes but in a different light like it doesn't not you're not necessarily going to be putting them into a portrait yeah um from what i can tell unless there's been something that's been said that i've missed but like it just seems like there's character ghosts essentially yeah i, I think so that's, i guess when you say i think that's pretty yeah, much what like they you said. say portrait ghost but it's essentially just a ghost that has more personality than the next um yeah which is good because that it, it brought so man, much I can't, flavor. I can't wait for that game it's it's got to come out right like it's got to come out soon i need it now so i i need it in my life i was thinking about this and i was trying to think as far as if as uh, nintendo as a company everyone and their mom has confirmed that it must be coming out in october because that just makes sense but I don't yeah. I don't know that I, I think Nintendo really thinks about that per se, because we're thinking about it from a celebration of Halloween perspective. And yeah, that would be really cool to see it in October. But Mario Maker is coming out in summer. Uh, Link's Awakening is coming out in fall. And for mm. the holidays, I think that for winter, they want to have um, for Q4, I think they want luigi's mansion to kind of round out that 
November, December launch timeframe for uh, the holidays. I think that they want to have Pokemon and then right after Pokemon, yep. Luigi's Mansion. And then those are going to yep. be your two holiday blockbusters. And those are going to sustain you into uh, uh, the rest of quarter four and leading into quarter one when they're going to have Animal Crossing. And I think... Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me wor worries a little bit that we didn't get a date um, just in the sense that like there's still a chance that this game could be delayed if if it came to that right like it's not it's not guaranteed this year um I... and if it needs to be delayed it needs to be delayed but like that it, it just puts a little bit of fear in me i don't think we'll see it be pushed but because it looks it looks very playable right like well okay um, so so just to kind of make you feel better about this they have already said that they want to give uh, quality of life and uh, for for the uh, the developers of Animal Crossing, and as such, have already apologized for pushing back uh, for having to push back Animal Crossing. If they needed to push back Luigi's Mansion, I think they would have told us at the same time as at that point. at that point yeah. if they already knew because they they committed to both being 2019, and they're already pushing back one to 2020. I don't think they want to push back another one to 2020, especially after the bad news that they gave us about uh, Metroid Prime 4 being completely rebooted. The yeah. What I think they're planning on doing is seeing how the rest of the market plays out and what the community, what the gaming industry says, as far as like the, the players are, are speculating and they'll kind of base their launch off of that. Cause if this is a holdover from yep. Wii U, it's, it can't be that far from being gold and, and being just ready for to sure. shift. For sure. But I guess like, um, to the point of, um, sustainable working and, and, you know, like the, the anti-crunch mm -hmm. movement, which I think is like, that's like super important and also like good on nintendo for right for again being one of the companies to kind of push that thing sooner than others right like they're they're kind of unashamedly being like okay we 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 know this isn't happening we're not going to drag you through like we're not going to drag our developers through this we're also not going to drag you through this we're going to tell you right now this thing's being delayed like we're just going to be upfront about it yeah um and uh, like hats off to them it's not a, that's not an easy thing to do but i think the more they do this the better it'll become for everyone because it will become it's essentially training players it's training gamers to think differently about the delivery of their games right like it if if gamers weren't so demanding and if the market wasn't so demanding mm -hmm. Um, I don't think crunch would be as big a thing across the entire industry. Like, I, I mean, I'm not an expert in this and I obviously take no, like I, I, I make no comment about specific people, companies, whatever, Yeah. but like as a whole, um, it's, it's one of those things like the, it, it, a lot of it comes down to, well, obviously money, but yeah, expectation, like gamer expectation. Um, people get excited about a game hype about that game builds up and then the companies want to kind of cash in on that hype and cash in on that relevance if they push their game back they lose that momentum right so it essentially becomes like the more a game is uh, expected to release they can't like people feel that they can't push that game away further so it it kind of like 
puts pressure on a company to deliver on time. Um, and, you know, marketing is all built up around it and all this sort of stuff. So, like, if the gaming industry at large can kind of step back and be like, when it's ready, it's ready. Um, yeah, everyone's going to benefit from that. And I think Nintendo taking that stance now is going to show hopefully a lot more companies that that can be done and it can be done in a way that doesn't annoy everybody mm -hmm. and um, people can be accepting of that fact. Like, obviously, myself, uh, I I was bummed that Animal Crossing isn't coming this year because I was looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. But instantly that, that, um, that disappointment is then replaced with like, Oh, this is only a positive. This is a this is a positive thing because it means I'm going to get a better game at launch. Yeah. Um. It also means that whoever's making it isn't going through hell to do it. So yeah, it's like instantly like the initial ah oh, return like returns to be a oh that's actually pretty good. I can wait. Like I and I can wait. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody can do that. It's we're all capable of it. Yeah. There are too many games to play as it is. Um, I have a back catalog that I'm ashamed to look at. So, <laughs> you know, if a game gets pushed away, I'll find something else to play for the time being. Like it's not the end of the world. So, and I think, I think yeah. just to kind of touch on, on that as well, one of the things that I think you and I both are very happy about with, uh, rare, for example, is the, and something that I know Joe is very adamant about is, is the constant amount of, information uh about a studio letting the player base know what's going on like if you were willing to to pay attention to what a studio is saying uh with rare then you have no question about you know what what stuff is is coming down the line like uh rare has has already come out and said way back in march that crossplay op opt out is uh still being tested and that it's close and that it's going to get pushed out to be tested to pioneers so that it works properly and having exactly. having something like or, or pets not living up to the vision of what they want pets to be like and making sure to wait on pets until it's right i am much happier knowing that i may not get pets soon as soon as i want it but when i do get it it's going to be something that they have have felt uh that that it is at the quality that is worth asking money for and that's a lot more important to me than finding out that i get it sooner when i want it but it's not going to be something that i'm happy with and i spent money on that so yeah having having companies be more uh transparent in their communication, giving giving the budget that they need to have good community development um, from the the community base and the the studio, so that 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 information is being uh, transmitted both ways, not just one way. So it's not just gamers shouting at studio, and it's not just shouter uh, studio giving out information and not listening back. Like that's something that I think a lot of the gaming industry really needs to take to heart and start doing more of. Cause I think if that's, if that's something that happens, we'll, we'll have this situation where yeah, animal crossing 2020, it's going to really conflict because I think it comes out a week before cyber cyberpunk 2077. And that's a huge, huge yeah. issue for me. Um, but knowing that the game is going to be exceptional means a lot for the week that I'll get to play it before Cyberpunk. Yep. Yeah, and that's it. I, I, like, 
in the respect of like the launch date for Animal Crossing. Um, I mean, to be fair, the 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 uh, the demographic of those two games is hopefully doesn't conflict too much. So I think they will, the games will both <laughs> succeed quite well. Oh yeah. Um, but like the you're right. I'm going to be in a similar boat, right? Where I like I really badly want to play Animal Crossing, but then there's going to be another game that comes out, and it's a matter of then juggling time, which is what we all have to do pretty much all the time like i always have at least two or three games on the go at any one time yep. and it's a matter of deciding on which one i'm going to dedicate space to so yeah but yeah like um you know plans plans change for games like you could say one thing and then it changes the next it's like it's very it's a very fluid um very fluid thing and i mean i'm very new to the the industry like this is my first kind of major gig so i can't really comment too much on like you know overall the workings of how things are because i'm still kind of learning that myself mm-hmm. but um yeah it's 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 evident you can see like the best intentions can be there you can say like this is the thing this is when we're doing it um and be confident in that but then something happens and because of the the nature of game development it's like you can never necessarily i wouldn't like to say promise like you can't promise a thing because it's you're never certain on what roadblocks you could encounter on the way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Be it, be it own, be it own like a, a technical side, or be it, um, you know, I guess like quality, quality of life, or like the the actual end result of that product. Like, I guess to your point, pets, right? Mm-hmm. It was not necessarily a mechanical problem. It was just that the the pets needed more time. They just wanted to be able to evolve that mechanic further. They wanted to be able to, um give it the attention it deserves so you know it's it's kind of like you could say one thing this month but then next month you go you know what it, it changes so yeah and i think the gaming uh, the gaming public the the communities are definitely bet- getting better at the bad news like they're getting well, I air quotes bad news like yeah. a setback right if there's a setback most people are understanding you won't please everyone but it's it's um yeah i think we are getting better as that as a whole yeah it's it's tough to see like how how because there's always going to be the the um the the super hyperbolic groups that always want to push the limits of emotion for the sake of of either attention or fanaticism you know whatever you want to call it and to to know that somewhere around the lines like i've i've always seen um with the sea of thieves community there's the outlying group of people that play the game but don't follow everything about the game that are constantly uh, uh asking for this or that and and they you know if they spend a little time they would find that information on their own and that's kind of why i do the shows to, to try and afford them the opportunity to find out about that stuff without having to dig so deep into it but there's definitely um, the the group of people that can sit here and say like, okay, well, yes, uh, it has. It, it, we went from shrouded go or from shrouded spoils, uh, December, January, February, March to April with the mega update, and that was a long stretch of time where we had um, just the mercenary missions to kind of give us some new stuff to chew on. But knowing that every week um, Joe was going to sit down and chat with the, the community and update us really does um, kind of give you a sense of, of 
trust and compassion. Like it lets people know. And I and and I'm hoping that this is the case that the the gaming industry as a whole is moving away from this hyperbolic desire to to try and get people to watch their videos about why this game is dead or what what went wrong with this or that and they're trying to move into a, into a position where they can say like here's what's actually going on and this is why it's good for the game yep for sure for sure I agree. I guess, like on that topic, do we want to uh, discuss a little bit about Animal Crossing? Like, do we want to go diving into that yes, a bit? Yes, I do, because I am um, super excited yeah, for that game. I, like you, you mentioned the GameCube is, uh, of course, the best gaming console um, that I have uh, hands down I have ever owned. I've loved that it, console. It's actually like now that we say that, right? Like now that we we state that, it's hard because like, um the switch is probably one of my fa like favorite consoles of recent generations. Mm -hmm. Like this is like one of my go-to consoles. Um, but like when I think fondly of like best gaming console, I think definitely like the GameCube, like controller games, all of that sort of stuff. Like I love the switch and I love what the switch is doing, mm -hmm. but the GameCube still holds that, that title for me, but like best game there, console. There is sure. a very good reason why the GameCube controller has lasted since 2001 to 2019 in regards to Smash Brothers. And that is because it is mm -hmm. for that game. That game was so well designed around the, 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 the configuration of that controller that it is just stood the test of time. And I, I agree that, yeah, people will look at the DualShock controller and be like, okay, well, yeah, that's, that's been around forever and stuff. But the GameCube did something for, for having couch co-op that I think so many people overlook just how important it was for that console to exist in a time where we where we didn't have online gaming and it really did yep. form a lot of friendships in the past uh and and it did stuff with consoles that um really wasn't being tr being tested you know it it gave you the opportunity to play your game boy advance games on your screen at a time when the 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 precursor to that was a super game boy but in, in this instance, it actually allowed you to link the two systems together. Like I, I, I can only think mm -hmm. of like the P, PS Vita um, as the only other handheld that has attempted to try and bridge two systems together um, with that. But the GameCube was there back in 2001 doing this. And it's exactly. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. To it's, uh, it's crazy on how like how much nintendo kind of like and this we're, we're deviating from animal crossing we'll get back to that but yeah. like it's crazy to think about um how how much nintendo trial certain things or they will like mm. test things out and mm -hmm. then they, and then those those tests come back in like big big ways like they become a console seller like it becomes the reason that console has to exist like yeah virtu virtual boy being their first test into virtual reality 3d games right like being engrossed in something or like the depth of a game yeah and then them bringing that kind of back in the 2d like the sorry the 3ds um mm -hmm. range and so you kind of see like these they try they they dip their toe in and they go that felt good let's do it like as a whole thing right so yeah. you kind of see that with the 
the GameCube being similar with like connecting uh, game, like a portable system through to television. Yeah. There's the switch, right? Like you've got, you, you've essentially taken um, what was an additional add-on and created a console around that concept, um, which it's, it's just, it's crazy to see the lineage yeah. of um nintendo and their console um range it, but yeah uh back to animal crossing yeah <laughs> I, I just have to say that the uh to kind of round off that that the the gamecube was the first and only home console that i considered portable because I, I, yeah. I really did lug that thing around by the handle from house to house playing with other friends and stuff when we wanted to do like Smash Brothers and whatnot. And I and I absolutely loved that system for being able to do that. Like all I had to do is grab the cables, toss them in a bag, grab my grab the, the handle of the GameCube and lug that in a controller around and I was set. Yeah. And the, I know, right. It's 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 weird because like, I mean, you could do that with souls arguably like that's exactly the same thing but the fact that it had a handle was just the con- <laughs> was just the, the the whole um the conditioning of that thing yeah. right like it's everyone goes it has a handle obviously you're going to carry it right yeah. like you have to take it places so yep. yeah yeah and it's funny lest we not forget the wavebird controllers and how magical oh those were. Oh my lord. Okay. All right. Before we Animal Crossing talk, then I've got to tell a quick story. Okay. Oh god. We're gonna be here. We're gonna be here all day, dude. Like, <laughs> I've got so much stuff to talk about. Uh, Wave Bird, right? Um, GameCube. I my first GameCube was an Indigo, so the purple. Mm. Um, and after some time, like I started to build up a collection of controllers. So you you you'd have like the official controller, yeah. but because of like my my age i wasn't working and also was reliant on like mum buying me games like my parents buying games mm-hmm. so you start to collect kind of controllers but you get those kind of like third party ones like the ones that just weren't quite there yeah like the the uh what do they call them the tomcats the radcats or something i don't recall mad the name cats. of the company mad cats that's the one um so you'd have like <laughs> you'd have like all these controllers start to build up right yeah uh, over time and you would always get the official one but you would hand off the the crappy ones to your friends of course um and House rules exactly i don't know what happened but one day i convinced my mom to buy me a wave bird um and that w- that was like crazy right and you got to think about it that's like the first true cordless controller yeah. essentially um even though it had a dongle or an adapter, it was essentially that. And it was really quick with latency. It was like, it was just, it was perfect mint. Yeah. Um, so I had the wave, but it was my controller. Then everybody else, <laughs> like the, the second player would then get the official controller. And then the third and fourth player would get the crappy controllers. <laughs> so it went down the line, but like the wave wave bird. Yeah. Absolutely. Best controller. Yeah. At one point though, my, con- my console died um it stopped reading discs and at that age i was a bit of an idiot um so what i did was i i had a nintendo wii so i sold my game well didn't sell the gamecube uh, because it didn't work but i sold off the the controllers and bits and pieces and just kind of kept the the wii Mm. like um and what I did wrong there is I sold off the Wavebird because yeah. I was using other controllers, right? Yeah. Um, to a friend of mine, and I sold it for like twenty bucks. <sighs> and 
he he took it away off me no worries like i think he kind of abused the fact that he knew that i wasn't using that console anymore Mm -hmm. and uh anyways he he it then became a running joke with him and i that he would always go to sell it like he would he he would bring it back up once a year and he'd go, oh, I'm looking at selling some stuff. And he would put the wave bird in there. Like he'd throw it into the list of things he was going to sell. So he'd, he knew I would see it. Oh, the first man. thing I'd do is jump in and be like, dude, I'll buy that wave bird. And then he's like, ah, it's not for sale. Like he, he just constantly kept bringing <laughs> oh it back God. up just so he knew that I could see it. Oh. Um, anyways, so that was a running joke. And he's a good friend of mine. We've known each other since we were born. Um, so like good, good friend. And... <laughs> He would always keep hanging it over me. He's like, remember that one time you sold me a wave bird for 20 bucks and now you can't buy them for any less than like 120 or 200 bucks or something ridiculous. And so uh, just before I was about to leave for the UK, um, I was having like get togethers and family meets and all that sort of stuff and just saying, you know, my farewells to people. Um, He came around for a party and inside of like he gave me a, a gift and he was like, here, have this gift. Um, as a as a farewell, I mean, I've opened it up and the wave birds inside the box, Aww. and I was like, I was like, no way, dude, <laughs> right? Aww. And I was like, you're joking, right? You're gonna take it back off me when I leave, aren't you? And he's like, no, no. <laughs> um, he, he legit handed, he, he gave it back to me um, before I left, and so that was quite emotional. Um, that just because of like that was a continuous joke that went on for years and years, and for him to finally be like, you know what? Have, have this thing back um i didn't bring it with me i left it home yeah. so it's in storage but um yeah i now i'm a proud owner again of a wave bird controller oh, that's so, awesome yes. that story went <laughs> i was i was so happy that you went that route with that story because i was seriously gonna have to sit there and be like i don't know if we can talk about you getting out of jail after killing your best friend for a wave bird man <laughs> i don't know if we could talk about that it got close it got close to that a couple of times man i'll tell you like the regret the regret i felt um and that was it like that kind of taught me a lesson as well about like selling off consoles and selling off products like obviously think about that stuff for the future his like, yeah yeah his his treatment of you has contributed to your hoarding i understand uh yep exactly <laughs> so you can never let these things go it's true yeah. it's true so okay so i i did not play new leaf um on the 3ds in fact i've only had a 3ds for about a year before the switch and i i went out and did the first thing that i thought i could possibly do with this thing i bought all of the zeldas that i could mario 64 star fox 64 and a few other games here and there and i i have no idea what went on in that game my only experience with animal crossing has and only has or aside from the mobile game has only been the gamecube version the original where you could actually get your own little ness rom of punch out to play in your own little house like that is my only experience with this so coming back to animal crossing after close to 20 years is something that i'm ecstatic for because i i love that Mm. game it was a all the time game for me it was a comfort food for me when i was in college and stuff and that and it meant so much to me that i had my house and my everything was paid off and i had my layout and i had the the oh man i had the game boy advance with the cable 
and the e-reader yep. so that I could I could uh, uh, scan in all the the e-reader cards and I could yeah I, man I, that's so good yeah I could go to the island on my Game Boy and take that to, to class and then I would go and and pick up coconuts and bring them back when I got back to the to my dorm and that game I I cannot wait to get back into this game because it's something now that now that I'm married and my wife um, dabbles in games once in a while she doesn't really play but this is something that I, I've wanted her to experience and I can experience it with her that I, I, I'm so happy and the fact that it's going to be online too is is just a whole brand new even concept to me that I I've never even thought about like it was always like you got a memory card with your town and your buddy's got a town and you can stick them back both in the gamecube and you visit each other's town yeah. and then you steal each other's fruit chop down a couple trees and write a nasty letter to their friend uh and animal friend yeah. and then you know a year later they find out about it but then you give the game you gave the card back and you go back to your town and that was the experience and I, I, I can't even fathom like what this is going to be like, except that I'm super excited to do it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of your, your position though, because like my, my Animal Crossing, um, like experiences have, I have touched all of the games in the, in the series, uh, or in the franchise, mm. right up until now. So like, there was I didn't really spend much time with the city folk on the Wii. Mm -hmm. um, I did play the 3DS version quite a lot with a friend of mine. Um, him and I would just basically like essentially have like sleepovers and, and chill out at his place and like play the game all the way through to the early hours of the morning and whatnot. So I've played like a majority of the games for at least a good decent portion of time. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm jealous of your position because like you've, you've got this experience in, in the GameCube, which is a really good game. Um, and now you're getting to essentially relive those things. Like you haven't been part of this iteration. You're not, you're not seeing the small changes. Mm -hmm. So you're going to come in and everything's going to be new. Everything's going to be different. Like it's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really cool to hear. And, uh, and even me as a, a series fan, someone who's been playing these games um in every generation like even the the prospect of this new game is very exciting because it looks like they're doing enough new and that was kind of one of my concerns mm -hmm. of this game was like when i heard animal crossing was coming to switch kind of my biggest request that i had talking with friends was like they just have to do enough new like i don't necessarily need breath of the wild animal crossing edition yeah right yeah I don't need them to I don't need them to scrap everything that's known about the franchise and just start again from scratch. But they they definitely needed to allow for new. They needed to allow to just not just change like a simple thing and then call it a day. Um actually go a little bit deeper and and it looks like that's what they're doing. Like a town starting from nothing, building up to something, being able to craft all these things like the crafting system i'm a little hesitant on but at the same token like it sounds interesting enough that i could probably get on board yeah um the and being and well the potential of having eight people playing in a town uh yes please like yeah. what <laughs> that's it, it blows like, my mind all the all the multiplayer like, aspects that we've seen in the past have always been like you know yeah visit a town or or it, go to their place when they're not online like there aren't there hasn't really been like we can both coexist in this place and and do 
everything at the same time mm-hmm. type thing, like if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, having that then times eight, uh, that, that can't, that they can do no wrong by me there. That That is yeah. just perfect. Um, and if it means that I can play online and I can get my friends from Australia to to tune in and jump into our village, our, our island, sorry. Yeah. Um, and just cultivate the, the land and build things. Like, yes, please. I mean, the only thing that obviously is going to be a bit of a hindrance here is probably voice chat, but, um, you know, there's the solutions there. But yep. that game is beautiful. It looks like it's doing a bunch of new stuff, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, Mr. Rossetti, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, looking at losing his job, essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll find they'll find a job for him. He'll have something to do this, in the game. This could re this could free him up from the career that has haunted him his entire life. He has had nothing yeah. but. He's, he's obviously not happy. He's not happy in his job. Like yeah, <laughs> he's he's just doing it out of compulsion at this point. Like yeah. Uh, yeah, he only has to do. He always has to deal with the with the the worst kind of people, who would cheat the system and mess with time. And being a time cop in an animal world can't be easy when you spend all of your time underground. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm I'm hoping that he he finds a nice love. I I don't even know how that would work because we're on an island. So how the heck would he he even get there? Well, what I'm thinking right is what would be like a lot of fun like a fun way of playing off that character is essentially just giving him like a florist job. Like he, he can basically like he's retired, right? He, he was doing a job he didn't like. So he's now like a retired old, old mole that decides he wants to like get into fl- the florist business. And he's just, he sells flowers. He helps you plant flowers. <laughs> like he, he, he has like soil options or whatever, right? Yeah. Like completely changes character flip it 180 and be like he was a gruff grizzly old mole yeah that was angry at you at all points and now he's like he's calming himself down he's loving and enjoying life like <laughs> just give him something fun future to, to play off future generations are going to be like mr rossetti did what <laughs> yeah exactly insane. they'd be like oh, he's he's the lovely old mole that helps me with my plants and i'm like well back in the day he I hate to tell you he used this. To have to, you know, tell us off all the time. He was like the, he was like the, the fatherly figure. There was a time war back in the early two thousands that caused this <laughs> mole a lot of strife, and as a result, yeah. a lot of people were very, very hurt by his anger tantrums, and he's moved away. He was always against, always against the grain. This one, he was always, yeah. he was always, you know. Digging a hole, digging us into a deeper hole. And then he moved to an island and retired. <laughs> yeah. Like it's such a beautiful ending to that story, right? Like that, like is, that is, I like it. Fantastic. That, that so, would be a great, great for sure. Tour. But yeah, like that game, yeah, like it sounds great. It sounds as well that we're going to have a lot of control on our character, like our character's appearance, which is really interesting because, mm-hmm. um, like obviously the the animal crossing uh, animal crossing version of character creation is like asking you three questions and then it just presenting you with a character yeah so like you know you you, you kind of do the personality test and then it goes right this is what we think you would do and i mean i'll be honest um in some of the games that i've played i don't always stick to the first character i get i always do the reset thing mm, yeah <laughs> reset 
roll, roll the RNG again and just keep, you know, checking <laughs> to see what I get. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it sounds like they're going to be giving us a lot more control is just a good all round, right? Like it means that we can go in, we don't have to do that experience of like resetting this game. We can just play it, choose everyone can represent themselves how they want. Like it's, it's just more inclusive. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how, how, how much depth is in this game and how much different it's going to be from my original experience. Cause there's, there's just such a, such a pleasant thing about animal crossing that allows you to really just kind of enjoy an aspect of life that, while we do live under the, the the tyrannical debt that is Nook, uh, he's still very heartwarming. And, and it's one of those things where I would love to be able to sit down and play a game where m- most of the creatures in that world are friendly. And, and I mean, I don't have relationships with any of the people that I live around. I hardly ever have, I hardly have any real life friends where I'm living at the moment, just because I tend to move so frequently, but to have a game like animal crossing come in and just represent some of the best things that you would want out of a, a cute little animal utopia. It's, it's nice to, to have that kind of like sit down after work, pull, you know, grab your switch uh, uh, lay in bed or, or, or just kind of chill out for a little bit and, and to play that and to, yep. to give you the opportunity to just to kind of have a goal as, as long as it's just something as simple as paying off a debt where all you're doing is doing little errands and stuff like that. It's, it's something that works to decompress after a long day at work. Um, Agreed. For, yeah, for, definitely. It's like, it's a, um, it's, it's therapy, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's essentially a, a place that you can kind of switch off a little bit and just allow yourself to, to be and, and to relax it. That game does not lack charm. That's for sure. That's one thing that it has a, a, an abundance of. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I like, that's what I love about the franchise. Like it's one of those weird things you, you'll hear, um, you know, the, like, are you not a real gamer if you're playing, animal crossing or you're not a real gamer if you're playing these things right like i cringe so hard when i hear those sort of things um and obviously that's not what everyone thinks that's like a a, probably a very small portion of the gaming community now but like i'm i have absolutely no hesitation or shame when it comes to like admitting that i love the hell out of uh animal crossing or like that i play uh you know any of these kind of like what people would essentially air quote call like kitty games or ch- children games or whatever yeah, like the casual i'm a huge fan because it, because yeah right because it like those games are the um that's the that's the relaxation portion of my gaming life like that's mm-hmm. where i can really just unwind and just allow myself to be um it's it's not stressful <laughs> you can just uh, just exist and it's it's great I love it. especially in a in a in a it's, it, i feel it a lot in 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 the united states where it feels like um a lot of the other console uh media or or, or, or at least news pundits are so so gun centric uh with their with their shooters and their looter shooters and and just the type of games that they tend to cover 
um, that I really love just the the endearing casualness that comes with Nintendo's brand. Um, they used to be such this this icon of making games for everyone and not and everyone kind of associated that with being kids games because if it's not for you know uh, um, uh, adults who are being serious about their competition and not to discredit those games as not being um, like entertaining or fun or whatever you want to tack on to to put me on the devil's advocate side but it's it's so great to see a company that is committed to making a relaxing game like animal crossing. It's what I loved so much about the concept behind like Stardew Valley. And it's one of those ones that I've stayed away from because I know Stardew Valley is exactly what I want, but if I get it, I'm really going to have a hard time giving it up when animal crossing actually comes out. And for that reason, I stayed away from it, but having having a game like animal crossing really does feed into the idea that we really should have games that don't cause us anxiety because that is something that i think a lot of people put themselves into to have interesting experiences and to test themselves to feel value but they don't allow themselves to get in a situation where they can feel at ease uh, without a sense of progression to, to justify their time spent on it. Sometimes just spending time on something that doesn't give you something, uh, a number boost or, or a, a, a loot box or whatever you want out of, out of a game, to have something like Animal Crossing where you can sit around and fish for hours and not feel like it's time wasted is such a, a cool concept in, in a world that is constantly mm. trying to validate itself. Yeah, I agree. And it's like um, the, I guess, Nintendo as a whole, um, for the longest time, was offering something that no one else was offering. And that was part of the appeal. That was part of the reason why I would always get a Nintendo console. Because, mm. like, the, at, you know, over the years, probably the last 15 to 20 years, um, gaming became very very stagnant like i think um a few people i've spoken to about it they're like oh you know e3 was much the same it was a post-apocalyptic this it's a you know shooter that it's like yep there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of cliches now yeah in in what makes a, a a kind of like adult game um whereas like the charm of nintendo is that they're making games that no one else was or at least that was the case for a very long time until like the independent scene became so massive so like yeah. In indie games now are filling the same gap or like you know they're, they're essentially adding to the pool of what nintendo created like nintendo cultivated this this they cultivated this scene where it's like yeah the casual right yeah it, it, i mean it's safe to say it is casual like it is casual gaming it doesn't have to be a negative thing mm-hmm. um but like they cultivated this place and colorful joy joyous experiences and then the indie scene is allowed to do the same, right? Like they don't have to conform to being a shooter. They don't have to be gritty. They don't have to be post-apocalyptic. Um, it could be whatever. Um, I, I think that's that's what I love so much about the gaming. Co- like the gaming industry as a whole now is probably yeah, like 
this is why it's so strong. This is why it's so um, massive as an industry. Like, and, and we're seeing that right now with um, where indies are starting to take over what we were used to having growing up as uh, kind of like a double A studio where they're filling in the lineup of a console generation with this kind of middle tier game this is now being left to indies to to kind of give us a, a unique experience if if not partly derivative of the things that we like from growing up with uh younger or like simpler games um based on on hardware limitations obviously like we we couldn't make really cool 3d rendered games back in you know 1989 but having the indie scene um grow so strongly to the point where like Nintendo is now licensing one of their major IPs to Ubisoft to make Mario plus Rapids Kingdom Battle. They're yep. giving them the IPs for Zelda to give us a, a top down Zelda game, Cadence of Hyrule. It, it's it's yeah, which is absolutely like mind blowing, right? That that's where we're at now where Nintendo's trusting in that brand. Yeah. To a to a small development studio. Yep to allow for these things to exist and like yeah i mean it's weird because i think there's going to come a time where we're gonna like the, the terminology is going to change like i don't think we're going to be calling independent games like these small indie things anymore mm -hmm. i think the name is starting to it's kind of starting to um it, it i don't know it doesn't necessarily capture that quality i don't think like i think indie just it's starting to sound weird to me personally and i think maybe that terminology changes but um like indie is not like this small thing anymore like it, to be an indie studio to be an indie developer um it, it's actually quite powerful like you could be an indie person indie indie um studio and still produce experiences that are like better than some triple a experiences like i don't understand um like i guess because they're just they're free to do their expression right they're free to do what it is they're after yeah so yeah they're not we start to get these really pure and really true representations of of, of play people that want to tell a story right they get that chance to do it themselves yeah it's great yeah it, it's super interesting to me to see where the where where studios are going to find new experiences that uh, are are taking people to new places, like I I'm still have like on my list one of the games that I'm looking forward to playing one of these days is the uh, the Hellblade uh, game. That everything I yep. hear about that game is just how amazing it is, and it's one of those games where I'm like that didn't I'm pretty sure that came from an indie studio, but everyone seems to be raving about it. And that that's such a crazy concept to me because I I would expect, you know, triple uh, A praise for a triple A game coming from a well known studio, not something that's made by a small small team of people who are just really talented and have the opportunity in the kind of industry that we're in right now to be able to publish a game like this and have it reach such a broad audience that it it gains that much praise it's such a cool thing to to see in the the, mm. the scope of of gaming right now something that i don't see with uh with films like films have kind of still shunned indie movies for the most part even though those movies can be 
award-winning movies that anytime anyone watches like the Oscars or the Academy Awards or something like that, they're like, oh, I never even heard of that film, but apparently it's really good. And and I think that's yep. totally the, the polar opposite of how game industry is treating indies right now. It's such an embracing that it's it's such a cool yeah it's like some of some of the best games over the past like several years have all been you know, like a, a traditionally considered independent right mm-hmm. like it's crazy that the that that is something that can exist like the studio can be competing with the big guys the you know yeah the big studios so you know, it is very very cool stuff and it's exciting to be a part of it like at the at the time i've come into it now it's exciting it's only like my my in my career inside the games industry is only just beginning but um i'm excited to be a part of it where it is right now and i think there's going to be a lot of really really good stuff to come out of the next few years as well um for everyone as a whole yeah yeah the the nice thing is is that the the foundation has already been laid for what's possible it's now just seeing what people uh, can do with with the, the the path that's been laid before them and to see where they decide to take it. Um, For sure. There is still more to this interview, and I'm going to be placing it at the end of the next episode of Keelhauled Podcast this coming Sunday. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this additional bit of content throughout the week and the conclusion to this interview in the coming episode. Thank you, Pirates. I love you, and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves.